Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana. Powered by the Montana Electric Cooperative Association. Your Montana Electric Cooperative. They do much more than keep the lights on for you. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Oh, this is the exact point uh, that I was making when I was... I, I got a chance to catch up with John Fabricatori. John Fabricatori, he's actually running for Congress down in Colorado now, but uh, spent a career, 20-plus years in service, spent a career uh, working in uh, U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, working for ICE. He was a field office director down in... state field director down in, in Wyoming and in Colorado, during his 20-plus year tenure, uh, he was telling me just uh, what a joke this so-called border deal is in the U.S. Senate right now. And and the point I made is, okay, even if this thing was a good deal, even if it was going to enact some good new laws, it's not. But even if it was, if Joe Biden is ignoring current law, when it comes to this treasonous invasion on our southern border, what would stop him from ignoring any new laws that might get put on the books? And there was a, a tweet from uh, Montana's U.S. Senator Steve Daines earlier this morning that caught my eye. Just before 7 o'clock this morning, Senator Steve Daines coming out clearly against this bill. He says, I can't support a bill that doesn't secure the border, provides taxpayer-funded lawyers to illegal immigrants, and gives billions to radical open borders groups, IMA no. So Senator Steve Daines coming out uh, against this bill. But he made this exact same point later. Uh, at, in addition to that tweet that he uh, sent out earlier this morning, his office also sent out a full statement uh, from Senator Steve Daines on why he is opposing the Senate's emergency supplemental funding bill. And one of the things he, he points out here is that I'll just quote directly from his statement that was released uh, just now. Fixing this crisis demands more than the border never closes policy that was negotiated. This bill also provides no guarantee that the president will enforce existing law, let alone new ones. Finally, with House Republicans united in opposition to this bill, it makes no sense to even bring it up in the Senate. For all of these reasons, I will vote no when the bill is brought to the Senate floor this week. Yeah, Speaker of the House Mike Johnson spoke uh, clearly and said that this bill is, quote, dead on arrival in the U.S. House of Representatives. We heard Congressman Zinke on this show last week say why he is opposed to this deal. Uh, Congressman Rosendale has also spoken against it. Now Senator Steve Daines has come out against it. Uh, Republican U.S. Senate candidate Tim Sheehy has come out clearly against this bill. He says it's a, quote, America last load of crap. Kill the bill. That's what Tim Sheehy had to say via Twitter. But meanwhile, liberal Senator John Tester, who is responsible for this invasion and the drug cartels and what they're doing here in Montana. Of course, he wants to see a deal because he desperately wants to, some political top cover to make it look like he's doing something because it's an election year. So you have to pretend to care about these sorts of things when the election comes around, don't you? Phone lines are open for you. Let's talk about the China spy balloon anniversary right after this. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. 
Boy, it all makes sense now, doesn't it? Why would China be flying a spy balloon over Montana? Crazy. I didn't. I, I totally forgot Friday. This past Friday was the one-year anniversary of when that spy balloon was spotted over Montana. Actually, I think it was a couple of days before Friday, but it was it was Friday was the one one-year anniversary from when uh, Larry Mayer's spy balloon photo uh, went viral and quickly started getting national attention about the uh, China spy balloon that was hovering over Montana and then was allowed to fly it and spy on the entire country and our military installations. And then uh, once it finally got done with its spying mission, then Joe Biden decided to shoot it down. But I remember getting messages at the time when we were talking about this on the radio. And I remember there were a couple of people that said, hey, Aaron, why would China be spying on our nuclear missile silos right now? I mean, these things have been here since the John F. Kennedy days, since the 1960s. Why would they be flying a spy balloon right now? Could it have anything to do with this? And by this, they meant the fact that all of these nuclear missile silos here in Montana are getting ready for a massive upgrade. For the first time ever since the 1960s. Could it have anything to do with that? Could it have anything to do with this? But anyway, Rob Cheney with the Missoulian had a fascinating report uh, that I think got published uh, later in the day on Friday. Uh, one year uh, from uh, when the uh, spy balloon was hovering over our nuclear missile silos here in Montana. I want to talk about that piece. But first, let's get into your phone calls because we've got the phone lines open for you. 406-294-0970. John in Bozeman, thanks for the call. What's on your mind? I, I don't, what I don't understand is that white people can't understand and see what's going on. China is orchestrating this whole border crisis, the fentanyl crisis, the COVID-19 crisis. Everything that's going on is tied to China. And our president is 100% compromised, and all he has to do is do nothing, which is what he's doing. Yeah. The, the climate change propaganda, China's uh, orchestrating that. China's funding these environmental groups who are, try who are committing this economic self-harm here in America. Every stage of the game, whether it's COVID, whether it's open borders, whether it's the, the self-inflicting harm that would be done with the Green New Deal environmental policies – China's driving it all, right? I think you're spot on. And and these the, like trying to get rid of the gas stoves and stuff. They want to do anything they can to basically make it impossible for people to protect themselves, to heat their homes. You know, it it there. I, I in 2008, I called up on the radio station and I said the the trains that were coming in. Uh, from Mexico, I said, this is an invasion, and I said, it's the beginning of a big invasion. It was just a test run to see what they could do. And those guys, those immigrants, asylum seekers in New York that beat up those cops, that's what the majority of these immigrants are going to do to us. When they're giving the they already are. Stuff, yeah. They they will take whatever it is that they want from whoever they want, however they want. Yeah, they already are doing it. Um, it's interesting. Some of these um, these Venezuelan gangs, these illegal illegal alien Venezuelan gangs, it's interesting. They're living in Florida, but they're committing their crimes in New York. 
huh, uh, why would they commit the crimes in New York instead of in Florida? Well, because in Florida, you'll actually get arrested. You'll actually get punished for your crimes. Whereas in New York, they'll just put you right back out on the streets. Uh, John, that, that also ties in with, I was chatting with Evelyn Pyburn from the Big Sky Business Journal, and there, there was a fascinating stat that was reported by Steve Moore with the Unleashed Prosperity Hotline. By 2030, the former communist nation of Poland they will they will have more wealth than Great Britain. I mean, think about that. And Evelyn made the great point. She said, yeah, it, she said it's because of the fact in part, large part that, that that our friends in Britain have been embracing these Green New Deal environmental policies. They have been inflicting this uh, economic harm on themselves, just like our nation's leaders are trying to do. I've also discovered I've, I've discovered the origination of communism. And you would not believe the implications that that discovery has. Very interesting. Well, John, thanks for calling in. Great to hear from you. Let's go next to Cheryl in Eureka. Cheryl, thanks for the call. Hey, how are you this morning? Hey, I'm doing all right. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, with that spy balloon, it was right here on the northern border. We live right here on the northern border. I mean, it was like hovering right here. Yeah, y'all. I've and I've been on that northern border. In fact, I was on a uh, Mike State Senator Mike Cuff's pontoon boat right there, hovering on the water. And boy, if we would have crossed that border, we, we would that pontoon would have been taken down in a second, probably. But you know, you can just walk across the southern border, no problem. Yeah. Well, uh, my other half wanted to shoot it, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, it, I said, man, that thing's pretty darn big. I don't think so. You know, there's houses all over around here, so. Well, that's what uh, Congressman Zinke, he said he was, I think he was the very first to come out and say, shoot it down, shoot it down now. And and the folks on the left were mocking him. And then three days later, Biden finally did it after it crisscrossed the entire country. Well, exactly. I know. But it flew right over the, you know, the border crossing right here. So, you know, it was like, you have to be kidding me. Absolutely insane, isn't it? It's a reminder that under this Biden regime, the borders on the ground don't matter. The borders in the sky don't matter. Whether it's the Mexican drug cartels, the communist Chinese, uh, borders do not matter to this uh, to this administration. All right. Uh, hold that thought back after the break. This is where Montana talks. Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, 406-294-0970 is the number for you. Uh, Phil Drake, Phil Drake, uh, I remember when Phil got his start with the Montana Watchdog. It was a great publication back in the day. It'd be great to see something like the Montana Watchdog or Media Trackers Montana uh, up and running again. But anyway, Phil is now with the Helena IR, and he shared this via Twitter a couple of days ago. Great job by Rob Cheney. Rob Cheney's with the Missoulian. He says, it's quite an eye-opener. Give it a read. Well, I took Phil's advice, and man, this Rob Cheney did a fascinating write-up. Boom time. Central Montana braces for the Sentinel ICBM upgrade. And I know our friends in the Lewistown area have been talking about this one for sure. 
Let me just read a couple of, of excerpts from this piece, and then we'll get back into your phone calls here. Uh, Joel and Bozeman, stand by. Uh, you'll be first up. We do have phone lines open for you as well, 406-294-0970. Uh, just a couple of, ex- of excerpts uh, from this piece in the Missoulian. Central Montana has a 150 Minuteman three intercontinental ballistic missile launch facilities scattered across dozens of farms and ranches from the Rocky Mountain Front to the Little Snowy Mountains. This year, the U.S. Air Force hopes to start replacing that half-century-old weapons system with new Sentinel ICBMs in an upgrade estimated to cost around $132 billion. And anyway, uh, Air Force Colonel Charles Clegg uh, uh, was at a meeting at the uh, Trade Center building, and it was packed at the Fergus County Fairgrounds last week, and looks like Rob attended and took some incredible notes here. Uh, so, So in order to do this, first time ever basically revamp of all these nuclear missile silos here in montana it's going to be a massive upgrade with massive new technology uh etc right and a lot of this is you know classified so we we don't even know just the extent of of what all is going to, going to go into this but just what rob cheney is reporting here look at the economic impact on the ground that this project is going to entail and, and again oh is this maybe why China was flying a spy balloon over our nuclear missile silos last year? The one that, that liberal Senator John Tester downplayed and said, oh, no, it didn't have any big impact on our national security. Ah, Just like he, just like he, he doesn't shut down the southern border where Chinese nationals by the thousands are invading our country. Uh, and on and on we go. Uh, but the Montana portion of this project alone involves every single one of our underground launch facilities. Eight to 15 above ground missile alert facilities, 32 communications towers, possibly 1,200 uh, 1200 miles of new utility corridor and 1,700 miles of existing corridor right of way. Now, I knew that it was going to involve a lot of road projects because uh, last year we, we actually had somebody from Malmstrom, from the Air Force, speak at the at the Mackers Convention. I was at the Mackers Convention last year. That's the Montana Association of County Road Supervisors and great group of folks, by the way. And, and we did our show live from there. And then I, I got to speak uh, to the Mackers Convention after I wrapped up the talk show. But right before me was uh, this great speaker from Malmstrom. Air Force Base, who was talking a little bit about this, and and I was interested. Well, why is the guy from Malmstrom talking at a uh, uh, you know, at the Mackers Convention? And they're like, because we got a lot of road work to do to support this project, and so all of you know all these counties are affected. Anyway, get this from Rob Cheney's report: between two thousand and three thousand workers will live at two hubs, one near Great Falls and one near Lewistown. And apparently they're going to have two 60-acre compounds to support these workers. So think about it. These are like uh, – the way I see it, it sounds like these are going to be like massive man camps like we would have had back in the days when we were rocking the Bakken or like the man camps maybe that were in northeast Montana hoping to build the Keystone XL pipeline. So two 60-acre compounds – Each will have several rows of three-story modular apartments, a grocery store, a meeting and training building, a gas station, 
and a medical clinic. And they're going to have all sorts of construction workers, pipe fitters, electricians, other folks uh, who apparently have all uh, gotten some sort of a background check or a security clearance that will that will be building this. As the project gets rolling, the Air Force will acquire 13 acre laydown areas close to the clusters of silos to stockpile construction supplies and, and equipment. In Montana, those will be near Augusta, Vaughn, Belt, Winifred, Stanford, Denton, and Judith Gap. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, as, as Phil Drake mentioned, yeah, very interesting, eye-opening piece here uh, by Rob Cheney uh, following that meeting in Fer- Fergus County last week. So, uh, But I thought I would just at least hit some of the high points and share with you here on the show this morning because I think it does. It ties back into our national security. It ties back into our borders, not just the border on the ground uh, in our southern border, but our our border in the sky as well. And the fact that 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 neither border has mattered to this current administration. Uh, all right. Phone lines are open for you. 406-294-0970. Joel in Bozeman. Thanks for calling in. Aaron, I hope you get off this routine of a spy balloon. That thing wasn't a spy balloon. It had no electronic equipment on it, no data link to send anything down. Everybody's spotting there. There must be a heck of a lot of wash, extra wash loads going along across our northern border. Every, they call in and act like this is a greatest loss or something. The balloon was just a balloon. Are you, you're being sarcastic, right? What? You're being sarcastic, right? Hell no, I'm not. I saw, I, you know, I was like you. I thought it was a spy. Look at, we, you know what a KY-11 is? So did you see Larry Mayer's photo? I mean, he got pretty clo- pretty close to that thing. Did you see all of the attachments on the on the spy balloon? Well, I could be wrong. I'm just telling, I, I heard all this. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call, uh, I, I know the people down. I used to work in the first aerospace control squadron, and I've, I've been at radar trackers, but I've never, I wasn't involved with intelligence. But I do know that I can't imagine that a country like China, with all the capabilities it's developed, that it's depending upon a damn balloon to get them intelligence. Well, they'll use all sorts of, uh, well, balloons actually were some of the first uh, aerial intelligence. Uh, what, hundreds of years ago, they somebody used a balloon to, to spy on the opposing enemy. But but I don't. you must have missed the news over it. So over the, uh, the Christmas holiday, the Christmas New Year's holiday, new information came out that, a, that an American cell phone carrier had been used to transmit data back to the communist Chinese mainland. So if you're telling us there was no electronic equipment on this spy balloon, then, well, I mean, you know, excuse me. I, I may have been on about electronic equipment. Yeah, I think so. I can't imagine that a country like China is using balloons when you've got spy satellites that can take accurate pictures from space. That well, just doesn't make sense. And on top of that, they should have been able to pick up that there was a data link. This equipment's got to send it back. I can't imagine that NORAD, with its seven or nine regions, should have picked that thing up the first time that the very first part when it was coming across Alaska. Oh, well, they did. They did. And Joe Biden just didn't want to do anything about it. Yeah, that also came out. <laughs> so so you, you've missed out on a lot of the coverage, I think, John, but that's okay. Uh, that's why we're here. Uh, that's why we're here to, to try to keep everybody up to speed. And if we miss something, boy, we got callers who will, who will quickly fill us in. Yeah, no, they... 
That's why I'm wondering. I'm, I'm still wondering: Is Joel joking around with us? Was that a was that a satirical piece that he just did right there? Because you know, we've even had uh, national security experts weighed in and said, "Well, actually, here's what you could do with a balloon at different uh, at different elevations within our atmosphere. They might be able to test this, and they might be able to test that, and oh, they might be able to to, to determine." The fact is, is we don't know what all the communist Chinese are up to, but we know that they're trying to undermine America at every single turn. So, yeah, satellite in space might see one thing, but but uh, what can it see if it's also hovering all across our country at different altitudes, at different elevations, different climactic? Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, all right, Joel. Well, I, I hope that was satire. If not, either way, I appreciate you calling in because if you've got those questions, I'm, I'm assuming other folks do too. Robert in Belgrade. Robert, thanks for the call. What's on your mind? Well, I kind of agree with that last guy that just called about the spy balloon. One of them had some tethers on it, whatever it was, it dropped its payload. Do you ever think about how fast the COVID spread across this country? You don't think maybe the spy balloon was, was spreading COVID? Uh, I don't know if they needed a balloon to do that. They had Fauci uh, helping them out every step of the way. Um, well, and like if you released it that high up in the atmosphere, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, well, and why do they need a spy balloon when they can just send their, their ground troops across our southern border right now? Um, I, well, although- yeah, and, and, and satellites also. I mean, you know, they, they could have something. That, why was the payload gone? Why when they shot them down? They never found anything. Well, because they so shot it down over the ocean and and said that the salt water in the deep oceanic floor would conceal. Uh, but they claimed that they shot it down over the ocean so that they could actually retrieve the components. But, uh, well, but, but yeah, but we never heard about it. There was there was two spy balloons too. One of them, I guess, I heard was as big as two school buses, and the other one was not. You know, maybe I'm wrong on that. Well, there was one they sh- they sh- they actually finally sh- they shot down. What was it over uh, Lake Michigan or or I think because the Michigan uh, National Guard still actually has F-16s, and so they yeah they had shot it down. Um, but that but they don't think that was actually a Chinese one. That may have just been some Boy Scout project or something else. But but yeah no uh, you know a, a lot of the components that were attached to the Chinese spy balloon when they finally shot it down over the ocean was was uh, lost under the sea. Remember. <laughs> Uh, hey, thanks for the phone call. Now, the one thing, though, I would go with with some of you. You're saying, look, this wasn't a spy balloon. Th- there's some folks out there who have said this was an intimidation balloon. No matter how much it did or did not spy on us or our nuclear missile silos, that balloon was meant as a show of force by the communist Chinese to show that they can intimidate this White House. They can intimidate this administration. They can intimidate this country. And the folks at the White House won't do anything about it. Uh, all right, let's see. We'll sneak in one more caller, and then we've got, uh, well, at least one more caller, and then we've got a great guest coming up as well. This is where Montana talks at with Lane Nordland. What will calf prices bring in 2024? Randy Block with Cattle Facts shared an outstanding number during Cattle Convention in Orlando last week. Well, I think if we're looking at calf prices across the country, we're looking at a five and a half weight calf. We're going to average close to three dollars. You know, for an annual average, you know, you'll see some swinging around these numbers. I think it's important that everybody recognize that plus or minus ten percent is the way these markets move. We can see a pretty big move. We just saw it in the last three months, didn't we? So I would say around three dollars on calves, two ninety to three dollars for an annual average. 
obviously they're going to be stout, stout, stout going into spring grazing because there's just not enough of them out there. Uh, feeder cattle prices on an eight, eight and a half weight steer around 240 for an annual average. So both those classes of cattle are substantially higher. And fed cattle producers out there, I would say we're looking at a another eight to ten dollar hundred increase in annual average fed cattle prices, getting up here where we average 184, 185, somewhere in that neighborhood for the year. So some pretty good, uh, pretty good numbers. Uh, uh, we haven't been at those price levels in in history, any time in history, and. And there is a lot of other competing protein on the market. So, you know, we're going to get tested by that. There's plenty of supply of pork and poultry out there we'll have to digest as well. $3 calves. I can live with that. I'm Lane Northmont. Hey, guys, look, I'm telling you, Facebook and some of these other big social media firms, they're a bunch of leftists. They do not want you to see the content that we are producing here at Montana Talks. You've got to get the Montana Talks app on your smartphone or sign up for our e-newsletter, whatever, because I'm telling you, Google, Facebook, these other guys, they don't want you to see what we're producing. Plus, you can sign up for our podcast. And, man, all four hours of the show every day, all the audio gets loaded. This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. Now, this is an interesting uh, coincidence, although I'm, I'm one of those that believes there are no coincidences. But uh, this is this is interesting. So I pulled up a report that I published back on October 10th on our Montana Talks website. And the opening line is this Montana stands with Israel. And that was a quote from Governor Greg Gianforte, of course, three days after the October 7th Hamas terrorist attacks in Israel. And that's where I quoted uh, our good friend Rabbi Chaim Bruck, who's the uh, Jewish rabbi in Bozeman. And I also shared uh, audio of my conversation with Rachel Cohn. Uh, who who lived in Montana. She was the government affairs director for the Montana Farm Bureau Federation in Helena, and she joined us from Jerusalem. Uh, she, she, at the time, was living in Jerusalem and, and to this day is living in Jerusalem in Israel. Uh, and I pulled up that story from back on October 10th because here in just a minute or so, we're going to chat with Rachel Cohn. She is on the phone lines from Jerusalem uh, to give us an update on the latest on on what's going on on the ground in Israel. And, and Rachel, I'll get to you in just a second here. Um, but if you but the other story that I just shared on our Montana Talks website right now deals with our southern border. Montana Governor Greg Gianforte uh, did a big press conference yesterday alongside, I think, 14 uh, governors. Uh, Governor Greg Gianforte there in Texas, standing alongside Texas Governor Greg Abbott and over a dozen other uh, uh, governors. And in the opening line in my coverage on our Montana Talks website is this. Montana stands with Texas in this fight. That's the story that I've got today, and the story that I printed up from October 10th is Montana Stands with Israel. Uh, let's see. Before I get to Rachel Cohn, let's go to Jeff in Billings. Jeff, did you have something quick you wanted to share? Yes, I was ice fishing uh, last February 1st when I noticed the balloon, and I, me and my friends didn't know what it was. Uh, my neighbor thought it was a weather balloon, and I said, well, do they use those anymore? And I thought, well, they do, but this thing was moving. 
okay, first it was over here. Half an hour later, it went back where it originally was. It was looking at something. I don't think weather balloons do that, okay? And number two, these two fighter jets came in and circled the thing. You could hear the afterburners kicking in. Now, I'm not an expert, but it wasn't a weather balloon. <laughs> but I really wasn't. Yeah. Well, you know, well, we used spy balloons in the Civil War. Sure. I think they. Yeah. I think the first spy balloon goes back to the French Revolution, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 We can get in our time machine and read history books. Well, that's that can be hard. Well, and the fact that yeah. you saw the fighter jets, what what you just shared right there from from your ice fishing perch on Cooney Reservoir, that that tracks because remember Larry Mayer in one of his follow up reports, he he confirmed that the fighter jets uh, were hovering overhead over the Beartooth Mountains, which of course mm-hmm. you know very you're you're right there on the Beartooth front practically at Cooney Reservoir, and they had contemplated shooting it down over the Beartooth Mountains, so that tracks with with official reporting. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So interesting okay. stuff. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for the phone call. Great to hear from you, Jeff. You All right. Yeah. One year ago. It's crazy. I, probably not much ice fishing going on this year because, you know, Montana, we, uh, we're we known for extremes, aren't we? So sometimes we get extreme cold. Sometimes we get extreme heat. Sometimes we have more snow that we can handle. And sometimes we don't have enough. It's just the... Uh, the land of extremes here uh, in Montana, that's for sure. All right, well, let's jump into it here. Um, we'll have more open phones time tomorrow on the show to, to mix it up on, you know, every topic under the sun. Or, uh, or hey, callers, maybe I can sneak in a call or two before we wrap up the hour. But I do want to go to Rachel Cohn joining us uh, live from Jerusalem right now. Rachel, great to have you back on the show, and thanks for calling in. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we just want to say it again that, that our friends back here in Montana, it, I know you know it, but we just want to say it again. We stand with you and all of our friends in Israel. Thank you so much, Aaron. First of all, I appreciate, you know, you giving me some space to talk about it, and I think it really, it's uh, worth echoing my appreciation for Montana, and, and really the folks here in Israel appreciate that. It's not what we hear in the news. Not really anywhere in, in America supports Israel, especially you know the people around the country. And so when I when I'm able to share things like how oh, I got a picture from a, a another lobbyist or from a state senator that the governor of Montana is hanging a Montana as uh, an Israel flag outside of his office, it's uh, it's pretty important to share. So it's really important, really appreciated the support that's coming from Montana. You know, it's it's amazing when when you and I first caught up shortly after the October seventh Hamas terrorist attacks. I, I'm just, I am still just. I, I mean, I know that that the radical left has has started to embrace the anti-Semitic elements within their movement, but I, I'm I'm still I'm still amazed at just how much they have embraced the the anti-Semitic elements and how the anti-Semitic elements have really taken over. Uh, you know, key portions of the left here in America right now. And they're not just the radical left anymore. They're like, you know, I mean, their policies are radical. Their viewpoints are radical. But but in that party, they are the mainstream right now, unfortunately. Well, or it appears yeah, that way. It's not a popular opinion to, to support Israel and to, to recognize that, you know, your Jewish friends across the globe, not just here in Israel, are going through some really hard times. Um, you know, sitting here in Israel, uh, I'm lucky for a lot of reasons, but one of them is I have friends that come from all over the entire world, not just America. And the reality is, is a lot of people don't feel safe going, you know, to the quote-unquote home that they came from. 
And that's why it's important that we have Israel and we have the state of Israel that we can, that we can come to and we can live in. And it's a, it's a thriving, thriving place to be. Um, obviously, more thriving when we're not in war. But even today, sitting here, you know, I, I have to say life is life is better here than than uh, than anywhere else in the world. So over three months, almost what four months later now, what has life been like in Jerusalem since October seventh? I know in the early days, especially, you were having to get alerts on your phone. You were um, having to go to bomb bomb shelters. Uh, what, what's life been like these past few months? You know what? Um, here in Jerusalem, it's a little bit more isolated, so I have seen a lot less of of you know sirens coming where I am. But over on the other side of the country, over in Tel Aviv, and also in the northern border, uh, close to Lebanon, um, that hasn't stopped. I mean, in fact, I think even today there's uh, I don't know if rockets were got, came, but um, there's definitely a lot of alerts happening of different kinds of aircrafts or, or whatever, and then. I think just last week um, there was a barrage of rockets coming from from Gaza into Tel Aviv, and it's insane. I, I frankly don't understand how they still exist to be able to throw rockets. But I mean, over the past, it has been about four months now. Um, there's been thirteen thousand plus rockets fired from Gaza um, into all areas of Israel. And we still have innocent women who are still being held hostage by the Hamas terrorists inside the Gaza Strip. Uh, uh, I, one thing that just is is so outrageous to so many of us back here in Montana is we see how our own taxpayer dollars are being used against us. Before I get to that, though, I, you know, you worked you worked for the Montana Farm Bureau, uh, lobbying for you know pro farmer legislation in the Capitol in Helena. There was a really cool story a while back about these these Christian farmers from Montana who went to Israel right in the middle of, of all the war and all the violence and said, we want to help these farmers uh, in Israel. And, and I, thought, I thought that was such a great story about these Montana farmers who were willing to risk their lives yeah. to, to stand with their, their Jewish uh, brothers and sisters. Absolutely, and that's amazing. And I'll, I'll, I would love to talk about agriculture a little bit more. I'll, I'll first mention that, you know, since the war, there's been over 40,000 hectares of agricultural land destroyed. And then with that comes a huge labor shortage. Um, a lot of the, the labor dealing with agriculture comes from foreign workers, which have since left. Uh, and it's been really incredible seeing people from all over the world, different backgrounds of faith, come to Israel to volunteer their time to help in the agriculture, whether it's all around the country, you know, picking fruits and vegetables or going down to the um, what's called the, the Gaza envelope, um, the, the farming communities around the, the Gaza Strip to help there. And if I can, I would really love to talk about an initiative I've been working very closely with since the beginning of the war. Um, uh, there's an, a new fund that we've developed called Regrow Israel, and Regrow is focused on getting these farming communities. So here in Israel, you have what's called a kibbutz or a moshav, different kinds of farming communities. Yeah. Um, and they they provide a huge amount of the agricultural goods to, to here in Israel, and um, it's this what this area called the Western Negev. It's it's some of the like best agricultural producing land in all of Israel, and it's what what serves our, our nation, you know, we have to be self-sufficient. And this area, it's the desert. And so when you think about what happens in the desert, and 75 years ago when, you know, the state of Israel was being created, these, these people seem were, were developed. And, you know, we like to commonly say here, they made the desert bloom. They, they were innovative and they came up with new technologies, like, for example, drip irrigation, new water practices, so that they could, like I said, make the desert bloom. 
I was going to say the Negev is is a desert, and I've actually stayed on a on a kibbutz on the Sea of Galilee about twenty years ago. I was I was able to visit Israel. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Regrow Israel. Rachel Cohn, stand by. We'll come back to you here right after this quick break here on Montana Talks. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, powered by the Montana Electric Cooperative Association. Your Montana Electric Cooperative, they do much more than keep the lights on for you. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. You know, one of the points that uh, Montana Senator Steve Daines uh, made when he uh, came out against this so-called border deal uh, this so-called, uh, this sham of a border deal that's uh, developing in our, our United States Senate right now is one of the points he made is that is that basically this bill, uh, it does not secure the border and it provides taxpayer funded lawyers to illegal immigrants and gives billions to radical open borders groups. And I think this ties in with our, our discussion about our friends in Israel here is that we have seen where our taxpayer dollars went to the U.N. and some of the terrorists who actually took part in the October 7th terrorist attacks in Israel were U.N. employees who were working for U.N. funded groups or working for these NGOs. And our taxpayer dollars are actively being used against our friends and against our allies and against peaceful people in this world. But our taxpayer dollars are also being used against us when 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 we are funding the same NGOs that are anti-Israel and anti-Jewish, these are some of the same NGOs that are openly taking part in facilitating this invasion on our own southern border. And remember, our friends in Israel were attacked on their southern border. Uh, I, I just That's just one soapbox thing I wanted to mention here. But back to Rachel Cohn, who, who uh, spent some time here in Montana working for the Montana Farm Bureau Federation in Helena. Uh, she is, is now back in Jerusalem. And Rachel, you were talking about regrow Israel, and before we run out of time, I definitely want want you to you know take advantage of the microphone to let folks know what they can do to help out our friends in Israel, especially your campaign for regrow Israel. But but you also were, were telling us a little bit about agriculture in Israel and what people back here in Montana might find interesting. Absolutely, um, Israel is is some of the most incredible agricultural innovation and the technology that they've come up with. Um, so, as I was saying before, make this desert bloom. Um, and you have down in the in the western Negev, which is a desert, you have some really, really diverse commodities. I was down there a few weeks ago, and I saw everything from carrot production to tomato production to spring wheat, um, radishes, and more. It's, it's so diverse in such a small area. And that this is the area that a lot of this country depends on. A lot of that, a lot of that farmland was destroyed. And not only that, that, you know, now we have a war going on, and so the Army is down there, and they have to work through it. And that's on top of all of the, the actual, like, these communities where the terrorists came through and just completely ripped apart. People aren't able to live there. I mean, you have livestock there. Uh, aside from water technology, some of the dairy production and the technology that goes into producing milk is insane here. It's one of the top um, dairy-producing countries in the world. Um, the technology goes into that. Um, and one story I'll say really quick that, you know, on October 7th, obviously the ter- terrorists came in and, and wreaked havoc. Um, and, and I'll mention agriculture was not like a, 
a mere coincidence that it got attacked. It was it was an, a direct attack on agriculture, on our food supply for this entire country. Um, but on on October 8th, you know, after a lot of people had fled, if they could, there was one farmer who had to go back because he had livestock to take care of. Um, and I think the folks in Montana really understand that, whether it's crazy snowstorms or fires or whatever other kind of disasters happen. I know a lot of ranchers who won't leave their place that can't take care of their livestock. And so I think people in Montana can relate to this aspect of he had to get back there. He had to take care of his cows. Obviously, there were some some fatalities in the mix, um, but he's been there since. And and I think that's just an incredible story. Yeah, well, um, and the fact that they deliberately the fact that they deliberately attacked your food supply because they know that food security is national security. Um, I was at the Shot Show in Las mm-hmm. Vegas recently, and Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders from Arkansas said that one of the things that her dad instilled in her and talked about and drilled into her head is that you cannot be a truly great country if you can't feed yourself, if you can't fight for yourself. Uh, and if you can't fuel yourselves, uh, so you've got to be able to feed yourselves, fight for yourselves, defend yourselves, and and provide your own energy. And so, yeah, what a perfect illustration yeah. right here. And Regrow Israel, yeah. how can how can folks across Montana support your efforts and what you're doing with Regrow Israel? It, you know, I, like I said earlier on, it, it means a lot that Montana stands so strongly in support of Israel, and, and not just the state of Montana, um, but Montanans. I've gotten continuous calls and, and reached out. And what I would appreciate is if folks can go to www.regrowisrael.org and hit Donate Now. It'll bring you to a campaign page where we're trying to raise funds. We're trying to raise as much as we can. I've set my own personal goal to raise $10,000, and I'm really hoping that the folks in Montana can help me do that. Um, you can go through and you can you can enter an amount into it, and you actually have a choice on like what they're called ambassadors, people who you can specifically add to their page. So you can add to my page. Um, and help me reach that goal. And, and all this money will go back to making sure that these farmers not only can get built back, but they can be built back better, that they can get, they can use new innovations, new technologies. They can buy new tractors. I mean, tractors were burnt, and we all know how much a tractor costs, and it's not something that insurance can just replace. Um, they can also do things like help build bomb shelters. That's not something we always think about that's needed on a farm or a ranch, but it is something that's needed down there. Um, and, and the list really does go on and the potential to be able to help these farmers down there in that western Negev. And, and really, I think there's a huge future for what we can do to, to make sure, like I said, build these farms back, build them back better, and make sure that they're more resilient than they ever were before. Well, um, yeah, well, that, no, that's interesting. One of these days, I don't I don't know if the time is, is, is there yet, given the security situation, but how incredible it would be to get some farmers and ranchers from here in Montana and then our friends like, you know, Jeff Lasloff with the Montana Family Foundation and our friends like the rabbi in Bozeman to do a, you know, a trade delegation uh, out to those agricultural lands and elsewhere. Rachel Cohn, uh, glad you're staying safe uh, and uh, great to hear from you. Thanks so much for being with us here on Montana Talks all the way from Jerusalem.